Welcome to the Case Conley Podcast. I am Case Conley. This is episode two. Big weekend of sports. AFC, NFC championships. We'll talk about the NBA a little bit with the All-Star Game starters being released. But let's get right into uh, the NFL. Let's start with the 49ers-Eagles. The less eventful game that we saw on Sunday, but it was the Philadelphia Eagles who stamped their place in the Super Bowl. That flight to Arizona is booked 14-3, win over the San Francisco 49ers. Jalen Hurts did enough. Relatively simple game plan. They did what they needed to. The story of this game more was the 49ers and the injury situation at quarterback. Obviously, Josh Johnson had to get thrown into the game after Brock Purdy, who was off to a promising start, got sacked, fumbled, released today that it's a torn UCL, according to Adam Schefter. This could be between six months to 11 months. Big loss for the San Francisco 49ers, who now quarterback situation up in the air. Trey Lance with the leg injury, he's out a significant amount of time. Brock Purdy now out a significant amount of time. Could this mean they are now a part of the quarterback carousel? Dare I say Tom Brady? Dare I say Aaron Rodgers? Dare I say a guy like Derek Carr? So there are options on the table now for San Francisco with their two quarterbacks now that they like being hurt. It could be Jimmy G staying for another year. We don't know. They have some postseason time to figure out what they're going to do but in this game Josh Johnson was not ready he then got knocked out with a concussion Purdy had to come back he couldn't throw the ball four yards down the field and it ended up being Christian McCaffrey attempting to carry that offense which he unfortunately could not do as they only could muster seven points did have 84 yards on the ground but again that a stifling Eagles defensive line who just didn't really let up anything all day recovered three fumbles they just look good. That defense looks very good. Very unstoppable. Dominican Sue looking like veteran self. Javon Hargrave looked good up front. Josh Sweat making plays. I mean, they are going to be very good. Not to mention Brandon Graham still there. With that secondary, that's dangerous. CJ Gardner-Johnson looked good. Darius Slay obviously dropped an interception, but he looked good, so... They are ready for the postseason, but it was the second game that really was the big one. The Kansas City Chiefs finish off the Cincinnati Bengals. Snap a three-game losing streak against Cincinnati. So they won 23-20 to behind a Patrick Mahomes masterclass on one leg, 326 yards, two touchdowns, QB rating of 105. And when everyone talked about Burrow this week, it was Burrowhead. It was Burrow this, Burrow that, 3-0. and The line completely flipping, the public loving. The Cincinnati Bengals, and what happened? Pat Mahomes showed why he's in the conversation of the best quarterback, not only in the league, 
that we've seen. Dare I say one of the most talented players ever to play in the league. Made plays when it mattered without his main receivers, which will be a big issue that we'll talk about a little bit later in the Super Bowl. We'll have a little Super Bowl preview. That's a big issue. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, though. He was crucified, forced to leave Green Bay. The drop issue didn't even look great in the regular season at times, but came up big when it mattered. Six catches, 116 yards, a touchdown. Huge day. Drew two crucial penalties in the secondary, one on Eli Apple, one on, I believe it was Mike Hilton. He was really good. Travis Kelsey, of course, triple teamed. Didn't matter. Seven catches, 78 yards. Got the classic touchdown. Did what needed to be done. I, I think the underrated player of the day, there's two of them for me. Isaiah Pacheco didn't do a lot in the run game. The other team really decided to run the football. But Isaiah Pacheco in the pass game was huge. And this is a role that they need him to step up, especially with these potential injuries. Juju Smith-Schuster with the leg. Kedari Sony with the ankle. Michael Hartman with the re-injured of the pelvis. I mean, they are needing receivers. And Isaiah Pacheco stepped up five catches, 58, nine yards. And we haven't really seen this from the, uh, the number one starting running back in Kansas City since like the Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt are the ones that I can recently think of, kind of in that Andy Reid era. But he looked good, the seventh round player out of Rutgers, seventh round rookie out of Rutgers. Rookie is a key, key thing we'll talk about when it comes to Kansas City. Sky Moore, another rookie, two huge punt returns to set him up. Could a couple catches too. He's going to be another guy they need to step up, possibly with these injuries. But he had a couple big punt returns, set up the late field goal, set up another scoring drive. He was really good. And that defense, talking about rookies, Jerry Sneed goes out early. Hopefully he's going to be back. We don't know his status yet. Four rookies in that secondary. And they held their own. T, T and... Jamar Chase, they had their times, of course. They're, they're going to have their times on everybody, of course. But boy, they just played their tails off. Trent McDuffie, great performance. George Karloftis, not in that secondary, but on the D-line. He played fantastic with a sack. And I think it's time to give the baddest defensive lineman award. There is one. Best defensive lineman. I don't know what it is. It was Aaron Donald. Let's pass it to Chris Jones. The dude's an absolute monster. Absolute animal. Two sacks, three TFLs, five quarterback hits, more QB pressures. I mean, he was fantastic while getting double teamed. And his versatility is what reminds me of Aaron Donald, but, but that dominance. He can play inside. He can play outside. They had him lined up at left. They line him up on the left side, left defensive end, right defensive end. Nose tackle. They can move him around so much, and he's so good, and he's such a great compliment to Frank Clark, who's on the outside, who's always going to provide a little bit of something. He had a sack and a half, too. Boy, what a day from Chris Jones, and really stamping his name on the fact that he is the guy. He, he is the guy. He's the best defensive player left in this uh, postseason, and he'll be the best, player in the, best defensive player in the Super Bowl. Cincinnati, you know, they had their chances. They had their opportunities. Two drives. With the game tied at 20-20, Joe Burrow throws the pick, which wasn't a big deal, more of like a punt anyways. And then they forced a punt. But it was a tough end of the game for Joe. He had a couple big runs late, he had a couple big plays, had a good find on uh, Hayden Hurst late in the game, but they needed more. 
and he just couldn't give them that more. Struggled with an offensive line, I understand that. Offensive line was just outplayed the entire day. I think the Buffalo Bills game kind of uh, tricked everyone a little bit. It's a young offensive line. I, I think they will be. They are better than they have been last year. I will say that. And they have some guys there. It's a little too early, though. A little too early for them, I think. Defensively, great strategy. Steve Stagnolo. Romo said on the telecast a couple of times, I think he was right. They hid some things, especially from the regular season game this year, because they did a little bit of different things. And when it came down to it, big injury was Tyler Boyd. He had two catches, 40 yards in the first quarter. He was that big because, you know, they what they wanted to do and what they were able to do later in the game, they were able to play double team on T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and make that third guy beat you. That third guy was Tyler Boyd, and he was burning him early. What happened? It was Trent Irwin, and he didn't burn them. It was Hayden Hurst, and, you know, you're living with Hayden Hurst making plays, not T. Higgins, not Jamar Chase. I think that's why they had good days, but they didn't have massive days for that reason. They just had guys around them the whole time. Fooled Burrow a couple times on the interception. Well, dropped out. Huge interception. The defense of Cincinnati, I thought, was fairly decent. I was very impressed. Joseph Osai, and I, he's going to be the guy who's going to get blamed because he had the late hit on Pat Mahomes, which led to the game-winning field goal, but he was fantastic. Fantastic. Five tackles, three solo, one TFL. Pass deflection, a couple pressures. I mean, he was great. As a young player out of Texas, he was fantastic. They held Trey Hendricks in a check. Sam Hubbard, for the most part, he had a sack. Had that fumble recovery of Mahomes. But, you know, he was held in check fairly. But I, I think this Kansas City team proved that they're still the team to beat. And that was the main thing is, you know, are they done? Is it over? You had Josh Allen. You had Justin Herbert before the injuries. Even Trevor Lawrence looked good. You had Lamar Jackson before he got hurt. You had this Cincinnati team. We thought that it was over for the Kansas City Dynasty, but it might just be beginning. With some of the young guys, we see Pacheco, Sky Moore, the, the young people in those secondary. This might just be the beginning. And that's the scariest part. But they have a big test. I think this will be a big game for them. Eagles match up decently well. And I, I think the bigger issue is who's going to be healthy. Obviously, I talked about the receivers earlier. Travis Kelsey was dealing with some back issues. He ended up playing through it. How healthy is Mahomes going to be? He looked fantastic compared to what I thought he would look like. I mean, that's why the game is within, it's going to probably be within two points and flip back and forth for the next two weeks until the game is because it's a very even matchup. It's a very even matchup. It's going to be a really good game. It's going to be a very good game. Be interesting to see who, what MVP candidate can will their team more, Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. Question that will be answered, we don't know yet, but we'll see that in about two weeks. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk some NBA. <laughs> And welcome back to the Case Conley Podcast. We're going to talk some NBA. The All-Star teams have been announced and the All-Star captains. 
the All-Star Game comes back to Salt Lake City for the first time since 1993. The West starters, of course, now with these new changes, the team captains of the West, LeBron James, team captain of the East, Giannis Antetokounmpo, will pick teams before the game. In the player pool they have will be nine-time All-Star Steph Curry, four-time All-Star Luka Doncic, two-time All-Star Zion Williamson, and five-time All-Star Nikola Jokic in the West. In the East, it'll be teammates Kevin Durant with his 13th time, eight-time All-Star Kyrie Irving, four-time All-Star Donovan Mitchell, and four-time All-Star Jason Tatum. So that will be the starters pool, and obviously... What's the number one thing we're going to talk about? Who was snubbed? Before we talk about that, I want to talk about how it's ridiculous that we're still doing this. Why do we need a center? Why do we need forwards? Can we just pick the five best players? I'm down to just pick the five best players. I don't care if I have two point guards. Face the fact, Zion Williamson should not be in the starting lineup. It should be John Morant or Shai Gilgis Alexander. I don't care between the two. Either either of them. It's fine with me. Zion was hurt. He didn't deserve it. I mean, I think Curry was hurt too, and that's an interesting topic, but I understand why Curry got in. Zion, though, I mean, he he didn't impress me enough to be hurt and be a starter. That's where I think these forwards, where you need the two forwards. In this modern-day basketball, we don't have positions. It is positionless basketball. That's why the all NBA teams need to move and be positionless. The starters in the All-Star game should be positionless. All-Star game and period should be positionless. Just how we play basketball now. So that's the first thing ridiculous to me. Obviously, I said John Morant snubbed. Shaco Chris Alexander having one of the best seasons we've seen from a point guard. He should be in too. I agree with that. You know, other snubs in the, you know, you could, Devonta Sabonis has been very good. He's been very good. I think he was really the only player. Larry Markkinen kind of made a name for himself, but you're not knocking LeBron out and you're not knocking Jokic out. So I think it'd be probably one of those guard spots for Zion. Jaw deserves a little bit more. Shy deserves a little bit more. In the East, Joel Embiid not starting, obviously, is going to be the elephant in the room I'm not overly mad I think Jalen Brown could have snuck in I think Embiid could have snuck in who you're removing I don't know not Tatum Durant's been at an MVP level when he's been healthy Giannis has been at an MVP level Donovan Mitchell's been at an MVP level when he's healthy Harry Irving maybe but I think he's done enough so it'll be interesting to see Who gets on the bench? Who gets snubbed in total? Staying with the NBA. Talking about that Boston-LA game on Saturday where the Los Angeles Lakers lost in overtime to the Boston Celtics. And obviously, the big conversation and talking point from the game was the no call on LeBron James, which should have been a foul 1,000%, which allowed that to go to overtime. And they're just getting burned by the refs. And I, you hate to have this conversation, right? Because I know everyone talked about from the Bengals game, the refs, the refs, the refs, the refs. I thought the Bengals game, 
yeah, they missed some calls, but there was nothing that overly, in my opinion, swayed it one way or the other. There wasn't a single play where it's like, oh, that's bad. Oh, how did they do that? I think all of them were fairly well. Talk about some burrow, intentional grounding. I think that was a good call. There's nobody in the area. P. Ryan, he left. He just left. I mean, he just wasn't there. I mean, a couple of holdings late, but I mean, you could call holdings whenever you want. I guarantee you look at every play and there's going to be holdings every time. I didn't see anything egregious late in the game. Obviously, the third down situation was pretty wild, but can't say he didn't benefit from it anyways. But in for the Lakers standpoint, they've just gotten burned by the officials. And if you take their set and the, their place in the standings, excuse me, the 13th right now, 23 and 27, they'd be 27 and 23. That's the fourth seed in the Western Conference. We're talk, talking a lot different about this Laker team. I promise you that. I promise you that we'd be talking a whole lot different. So they have actually gotten a little bit unfortunate rulings from the refs, which has actually affected their season, their whole thing. As right now, they're still th- right now three games outside of the bubble or out of the playing game, excuse me. Utah Jazz at 26 and 26. They have work to do. And you just hate to see that on a national television. And you saw LeBron's frustration. I think that was more not just frustration from that game. I think it was just the whole season frustration of we haven't gotten the calls. Of everything unfortunate is happening to us. Of AD cannot stay healthy. So I think, I think if you really put in reality of it, they've, they've played fairly okay. And, and they've deserved their 1-4, which is the worst record out of any team in overtime. They've deserved a little bit of a better record, I think. And I think some of that regression, positive regression will come towards them. I think they're still, I'm very confident they're going to make the plan. But obviously the playoffs is where you're trying to be. They have that opportunity, so they're going to have to obviously override the Thunder, the Jazz, the Suns, the Pelicans, Mavericks with Luka out. That's a big issue now. As talking about the same Nuggets right now, 34 and 16, they've been the best team in the West by far, I believe, especially with the Grizzlies on air. Losing skid right now. Sacramento has been a pleasant surprise. Minnesota has been a pleasant surprise. Not as surprised about how successful Minnesota's been, though. They built a roster that's going to be really good in the regular season. We'll work in the playoffs. We'll find out. The Mavs were doing very well, but they're three in their last seven, especially with Luka out. The Pelicans, one in their last nine. They've kind of fell out. So starting to see now the movement. We're starting to see some of those teams get back to the top. And the most impressive team has been the Philadelphia 76ers, nine and one in their last 10. They have moved up to second now in the East. And they're a team that nobody want to see. Nobody wants to see them. Obviously, the Bucs are still up there. The Celtics still lead the East 36-15 and 15 record. The Nets, even with Kevin Durant's out, still the four spot. The Cavs have overcome Donovan Mitchell in a lineup. The Knicks still finding their way in the playoffs. The Hawks quietly 25-25. and 25. So we'll see what happens in some of these games. But uh, it's just unfortunate that the refs are causing a lot. And it's not just causing a lot of issues for only LeBron James. 
for only the Lakers. It's, it's been a lot of teams. So we'll see what happens. I think it's obviously very early in the season. We still have a whole season. Trade deadline will be massive. Massive, I think. I think we'll see a lot of movement. A lot of these teams at the top, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, the Philly, the Lakers, the Clippers, some of these teams that are out that are trying to get in the Knicks. There's going to be a lot of deals being made. It'll be interesting who goes, who stays. I think Rui Hachimura was a great deal for the Lakers. It was great to bring him in. He's exactly what they needed. Exactly what they needed. They need some more scoring on the wing. Still rumors of Cam Reddish coming over, which is, I think, another good deal for them. Obviously, a lot of a lot of things will change. A lot of things will happen, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. Especially going into this All Star break, who can kind of get hot these last couple of weeks. It's a big crucial stretch in the season. We see it every season. A couple of teams get hot and can solidify solidify their place in the playoffs, or we see teams skid out. Pacers one and nine, no Halliburton, and they've just skidded out. So it's a very important time of the season. See what happens. We'll be back on the Case Conley Podcast. We are back, and we will end this episode with a little bit of a preview of the NFL Super Bowl. The Eagles, the Chiefs, Talk about some of the interesting matchups, I think. I think, first off, just starting with the interesting matchup, is going to be this elite Eagles offensive line against Chris Jones. Chris Jones is going to be the guy that they need to find wherever he is on the field. And it's going to be interesting to see where Steve Sangola moves him around. He's going to be played a little bit everywhere. They'll move him around. They'll shift him around. Just be interesting to see where they put him. That's a very interesting thing. We'll see. I get a feeling that we'll see him a lot less in the middle, a lot less of Jason Kelsey, and I don't think we'll see him as much over on Lane Johnson's side. Of course, we'll see. I think the benefit is they can try him out. They can move him around. They can, they can do that. I think another big matchup is going to be, like we said, the receivers. We're going to see, can Juju go? Can Mikol go? And if they can't go, who's going to step up? And I expect to see a lot more if I say Pacheco, especially in the past game, Jerick McKinnon, some more backs out of the backfield. I think that's what we'll see. But be interesting where Darius Slay plays. Obviously, I think Chauncey Gardner will be playing on the slot, will be probably shadowing around Jason or Travis Kelsey in the Kelsey Bowl. Keep saying Jason. But I think he'll be shadowing Kelsey for most of the game, if not the whole game. They'll, of course, chip him. They'll do all the things, but I, I expect him to follow him around. It'll be interesting to see what Darius Slay does. See, follow MVS around, especially after his big game. Will they just put him on a side? It's a big, big question. that We'll, we'll see early, obviously, where they line up and what they do, but that's going to be a very interesting kind of scenario. And I think the other thing, the, the other big thing that we need to see is does Nick Sirianni in the Philadelphia offense, the Philadelphia injury department staff, is Jalen Hurts 100% and will they let him run the football? That's huge. Because that changes everything. The way that he runs, it changes a lot. Because he's not, 
It's a little bit of a different runner than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a designed runner. He will run a lot. And he'll run a lot outside. Just, you have to worry about that. Jalen Hurts running, that's scary. Only because you never know when it's going to come. He loves running inside. He will run inside. It's another threat everywhere on the field. Not only when he gets out of the pocket, when he really rolls out, but when he gets to put his head down, his shoulder down, and makes, make, make, make it a physical type of game. Mark Jackson doesn't want to be physical. Jalen Hurts does. So it'll be interesting to see how healthy is that shoulder. We saw him, a couple of scrambles he had, didn't, didn't look all that comfortable. He does look like he's hurting, and it's that passing shoulder. It's a big, it's a big issue. So we'll see how truly healthy he is, but that is going to be a major factor in the NFL Super Bowl. That'll be a huge factor. I think it'll also be a huge factor of who runs the football. Is it Miles Sanders? Sanders has obviously been their best back by far, but Austin Scott has stepped up, and I think they'll follow this Wendell Smallwood and They'll follow this little three-headed backfield that they have. Four-headed backfield. Five-headed with Jalen Hurts. I think they. I think Sirianni likes that. Throwing some different looks. Throwing some different things. It obviously helps them. And you have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith on the outside. They'll have to. They'll have their opportunities against Justin Watson out there. Against some of those young rookies, they'll get their chances. But will they make the chances? It's always the key thing. They didn't do a great job of that. I think. In the 49ers game, credit they didn't have to because they didn't really have to throw them all. They weren't forced to do that. But it'll be interesting for sure. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Obviously, how Andy Reid handles that defensive line. I think we'll see a lot more of Patrick Holmes moving outside the pocket. I think that, I mean, obviously another two weeks with that ankle is going to be very important. So that I think that'll help a lot. We'll see. So again, how mobile he was. He wasn't that mobile, but he's mobile enough. But, but he did not have that running threat. Till that last play in the game, he did not have the running threat. So it will be interesting to see, do they run the ball? Can he run the ball? What can he do? What can't he do? Given two weeks instead of five, six days like he was just given. I think that'll be the most important thing that we'll see in that Super Bowl. And we'll see it early. We'll see it early when he's pressured because I guarantee you that defensive line the Eagles are, will come after him, and just like Cincinnati, they'll test him early and say, "How you? How's it feeling?" Cincinnati tests him early, and they realized he's okay, but he can't run. That helped him a little bit, but once again, I talk about this all the time. Him as a pocket passer is still a top five quarterback in the league, no debate. So obviously, it takes away some of the improvisation. What makes him special? He's still an elite quarterback. And he'll still make you pay. And in fact, if you look at him, takes less risk in the pocket. He's better in the pocket, technically speaking, statistically. Completion percentage, all those things. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Case Conley Podcast. Next week, we will have our first guest on the show. I'll keep it a little bit of a sneaky surprise, but... We'll have our first guest on the show. Excited to share that with you. And I'll look forward to see you next Wednesday.